Hey, cool people. Welcome back. Here we are after many days of lots of adventures, and uh, we're here back to talk for the 21st time. So let's dive right in. Life seems so crazy at the moment. There's so many things going on, and I'm really glad that Aaron Cochran took the time from his life of adventuring and doing cool stuff and running a family business to sit down and talk to us. The first time that Aaron and I met was when he walked through the door to come in to talk for the podcast. So he's completely new to me as well. He was referred to us, uh, which typically is the case with most. And his number one reason for being here is that he had just finished before we recorded the Rockstar Challenge bicycle race. And his completed distance uh I think he did most of it on a gravel bike, was in the neighborhood of 255-ish miles, and that's close enough. He grew up in southwest Virginia, and he continues the family business in Salem, Virginia, as the owner of Trader Jerry's, and he has quite a variety of, of fun hobbies and good things to talk about, and I hope you enjoy Aaron Cochran, episode number 21 on the GJBs. Let's do it. Let's stop chit-chatting around. Let's make it real. Aaron Cochran, here you are. How you doing? <laughs> one of my number one Strava friends, and I don't even know how we became Strava friends. I've never met you in my whole life. I've never seen you, I don't think, but you're here with us. It may have been on a run or something with the, with the Ed. Maybe. Could be. Maybe the Ed run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, you would know. And Carrie. Hello. We have the whole family here. Also in the room, Ed McEwen. Ed McEwen is here when we need him the most, and today we need him the most. And in the corner, so promise he will not say a word, and I hope that's true, is Eddie Man. Yep, he zipped it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Aaron Cochran, man. How's it going? Good, but you Fantastic. Nice to meet you. Glad you came. It's nice to meet you. Not even virtually meeting, but actually meeting. Let's do a virtual <laughs> handshake right across the table right yeah, now. We do that. I think, uh, like Ed, it spoke so many good things about you that you've done all this exciting stuff, so we came to talk about it. Well, God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> he said something about a, a rock star 270-mile race, and that's that you just finished. I think that's kind of what put you uh, on the radar, but I think there's way better stuff than that. I got you. Which is not too bad. Yeah, I finally decided to do Rockstar this year. uh, It was was an experience. (laughs) It was tough. I don't know. I thought I was going to knock it out a lot faster than I did, but instead of two days, I did three days. So I had fun. had had a good time. Finished strong. Finished uh, happy. Mm Mm-hmm. So apparently people know all about this rock star race, but um, me being like a semi, a little bit of a biker, I don't really know that much. What Tell, tell us about it. I mean, 270 miles is, is a long way. Yeah, I think it ended up being 255. But uh starts in Harrisonburg. This is, a, this is a dream cooked up by Rob. I'll probably get his last name wrong. Or wrong Ism. Or Ism. I don't know if you know him mm-hmm. or not. Um, but he, he decided to do a... 
a race from Harrisonburg to Roanoke. So it's Rock Star, Rocktown, Harrisonburg, Star City, Roanoke. And uh, it actually ends at the Star, too, doesn't it? It ends at uh, Texas Tavern. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Texas it goes by the Star, yeah. But uh, he done a trail version, a <clears throat> gravel version, and a road version. So the road, I think, is 160-some miles. Gravel is 255, and the trail is 270. Okay, I knew I got 270 from yeah, somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, and, and your part was gravel, two, 255? Gravel. Yeah, then the gravel. The, easy, done, the easy one. Yeah, the easy one. Uh, it took me like 58 hours in the winter. First place, done like 22 hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was this year. That was... For the race, not the all-time record, I guess. Yeah, I think all-time record is 19, maybe. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole different level of human right there. That <laughs> <laughs> really is. But, uh, so you know, camped out the night before and then started that morning? Is that how it worked? No, we went to, to, a, to a, get a motel that night Okay. And I camped uh, Saturday night. I think I rode, rode about 17 or 18 hours and got... About 100 miles in. Now, my plan was to ride 20 hours, get 160 miles in. That won't go happen now. Because <laughs> the first climb was just, uh, the first climb is just, uh, I don't know. It's uh, from Harrisonburg to Flagpole Knob, I think it's right at 4,000 feet. I was six hours in. I was still just there, you know, like 20 to 30 miles in. So I knew I wanted to get, a, get, a, get a 160 miles in the first day. So uh decided to cut it off at 95, 96 miles after 17 hours. So you were surprised at how hard the oh, first few miles were? Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, every, you know, a lot of people are pushing their bikes. I mean, it's more of a yeah, Jeep trail type of road, not really a gravel road at all. Um, kind of wishing I had a mountain bike type of trail, you know. <laughs> a lot of people are pushing up and pushing down because it was so, so technical and hard, you know, steep. So 95-ish miles took you how long? Uh, right at 17 hours. Wow. And, you know, on a road bike, you knock out 100 miles in six or seven hours. Right. Or nine or ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends on who you are. That's a different terrain right there. Wow. I think day two, I got up. Well, I got up about, after about three hours after sleeping a little bit. Got up and I knocked out another 100 and, 105, 106 miles. I was at the back of... Uh, broad run on the cold stone side um haymaker town road i think mm-hmm. and uh my lovely wife here she was going to bring me a pizza i think a dozen donuts and uh <laughs> i was going to camp at night and uh i just decided to go home i slept for like 10 12 hours something like that came back the next day and finished <laughs> so so uh, i kind of cheated there at the end but i got it done i'll oh, see so, so you can Leave and drive home, and then come back and finish. Well, a lot of people, yeah. I, I left. I left the spot, came back to the spot, and finished it the third day. The extra 65, 66 miles. But uh, you know, a lot of people got motel rooms and stuff like that. I just I'd go home because uh, hell, I could either set up camp in thirty minutes, or I could be at the house in thirty minutes. So I said I'd go to the house, get get a good night's sleep, and finish the next day with a good smile on my face. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> but it was a good time. I had, I had a blast. Good for you. That's fantastic. When I, I saw your post on Strava, and this was before you were on my radar to do the podcast, and then um, uh, I saw like 200 and ever how many miles that it said on Strava, which I think was 260-something, but either way, it was really uh, 
pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. to see somebody post that long of a distance. You must yeah. have a really good watch. Yeah. Yeah, gone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I don't know, uh some guys are, that I rode with on the rock star, um uh, some of them were from Greensboro and a few from Christenberg. Anyways, this weekend they're actually going to AML four hundred, which is a similar type of ride, but it's four hundred miles, a four hundred mile loop. And uh I think um one of my one of my buddies there, he uh he got it in uh, eighty hours. And where's that up? It starts from Christenberg, goes up through West Virginia, and comes back <clears throat> down through a lot of the trails we rode with Rockstar too, like in that area. Um, four, I think it's 400, 410 miles, something like that. It's, it's a, it's a long ride. And that deal there is if you finish it, you know, you can't have any support other than local businesses during business hours. So a little bit different setup, you know, the rock stars for me anyways, I just made it a fun ride. These guys were seriously actually racing it, you know? And yeah, yours was more of a completion with yeah. something the rock star. I'm just happy to finish. It's a major it. deal just to complete it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and it, it kind of, I don't know. It's the third year of the rock star, and uh, of course last year it got kind of postponed until October. And uh, last year I got kind of ill, and uh, I told my wife I said if I get well enough to uh, ride the rock star this year, I'm gonna do the rock star. I, I bounced back pretty fast then. <laughs> and uh, signed up for it and got it done. Yeah. So everybody started together, is that right? No matter what course you're doing? No, you, you had an option to do it uh, on your own. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you sure did. So uh, uh, it, it, it was fun. It, it, to be part of the Grand Depart, I think maybe 50 or so riders started all at the same time. Mountain, the trail, the gravel, and the road. Um, a lot of the road riders done it one day. A lot of the gravel riders done it in under 24 hours. You know, well, a couple of gravel riders done it under 24 hours. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was pretty neat to be a part of that, for sure. Yeah. I bet so. Do, do most people go along by themselves and, and camp by yourself, or how's it go? Yeah, so, some of them had like uh, I guess uh, camping spots already set up and people setting up tents for them. Uh, some people, a lot of people, camped over in Douthat. Because that's is kind of the midway point of that ride, and uh, so a lot of people had uh, had people waiting on the Douthat or cabins in Douthat or whatever sitting there. Um, I left with everything on my bike that I needed, and way too much food, way too much clothes. My bike probably weighed like double what it should have weighed, but I uh, got it done anyway. <laughs> Were you carrying a hammock or a tent or anything? I was on it. I was in a hammock. Uh, I didn't take ribeyes this time. You what? I didn't take ribeyes or bacon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to tell me about that. Yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at your bike on the screen right behind your head, and it, yeah. does, it doesn't look too overloaded to be a, a multi-day trip. Uh, yeah, it's kind of heavy. Uh, and that's a gravel bike? That's a gravel bike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was kind of, I don't know, I think uh, that bike weighs like 20, 28 pounds empty, and it weighed with the water over right at 60 pounds. So it was double the weight. Where's that picture taken from? That's over in, uh, oh, where is it? It's on Crits Creek, right near Eagle Rock. Okay, yeah. Uh, Ballpark Lane. Is that what it's called? Ballpark Lane, something like that. Yeah, it's an old railroad bridge, actually. It may yeah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. I've seen that bridge. Yeah, that's right. I know what you're talking about. About 220, I believe, yeah. yeah. 
So what he was alluding to a minute ago was uh, we did a me, you, and him, and Doug, I guess. <laughs> did a backpacking trip to Grayson Island several years ago, like maybe five years ago. It is wild good here. Yeah, two yeah. nights. And uh, I said it was a backpacking trip, and uh, I think he had a hammock, and I had a hammock too. But anyway, we stayed in a shelter one night. First night was in the hammock. But anyway, he brought uh, frozen steaks and beer in your yeah, backpack. Yeah, real food, and I don't think anybody believed him. I showed up with a couple of ribeyes and some beer. And, well, uh, instant mashed taters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We camped in that meadow the first night, and that's one of, I guess, probably the first night I've ever camped in a, slept in a hammock, camping like that. Those are tiny trees. I froze froze (laughs) to death. The wind was under me, on top of me. So cold. That's the bad spot we rode this and get near Mount Rogers. Right. Yeah, it's kind of windy up there. It's crazy how much all that stuff weighs, like the, the food and and uh liquids because yeah. my gosh going in sometimes i'm like 50 60 pounds and it doesn't work out too well right right i mean just the water i had a gallon of water with me at all times well not not all time but starting out with the hydration pack and the water bottle and another little water bottle it's right at a gallon so there's what eight eight pounds right there um but you gotta have it yeah you know and a filtration system i did a little filtration system to go with it too but, uh, Would you say that's your biggest, longest bike adventure? Yeah, that's definitely the longest one I've done. Especially like I've I rode a couple hundred mile days before over the years, but I've never done a hundred miles and got up the next day done a hundred miles and and got up the next day done sixty five miles. You know, it's a little bit, a little bit different uh, animal right there. Um, but uh, especially that much climbing, like. Uh, I think it was 27,000 feet of climb. Uh, you know, most 100-mile rides around here is going to be about six or 7,000 feet. Right. Um, when you add them all together. And I was expecting about an eight-mile-per-hour average, nine-mile-per-hour average, something like that. I, I think I averaged around six wow. the whole time. So grossly underestimated the terrain <laughs> that we were on, you know. And... Uh, I think a lot of the guys talked about Patterson Creek being so rough. I don't know if you've been to Patterson Creek lately or not. Uh, West Fall, maybe? Uh, so they resurfaced it with uh, what looks like railroad ballast, like soft <laughs> baseball sized rocks, you know? And uh, with, a, yeah, with a loaded down gravel bike, it was rough. It was a really rough ride. Even the flats were rough. Oh, we did run on that. Yeah, we didn't bike it. Was it that rough then? Yeah, he's just big, big gravel. Yeah, guy. yeah. I think they just done that last year or so because the, I think I rode it last year, maybe a year before, and it wasn't near that rough. It's kind of a smooth gravel road like you'd expect around here. But uh, as you get beat to death at Patterson, I was ready to go home for a couple of hours. <laughs> come back <laughs> come back and finish the rest. <laughs> yeah. I bet so. When I read my first gravel ride, I, I borrowed Ed's bike and uh, nearly crashed in the first mile. Handlebars went like straight down to the ground. They just lost the uh, the screw that was in there. It just oh, it, 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 yeah, it, it didn't hold. It was going straight down the hill, and the handlebars just pushed to the bottom. Right. And then we saw about three or four uh, tour de dirt, right? disabled bikes in the first 
three miles and it just felt like we would never get it took forever to do 62 miles that, that's the longest day of my life right. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine doing 100 and then 100 and then the same thing that i did yeah <laughs> so you've done the gravel off 100 too i've done gravel off 100 i've done tour to dirt the 85 or 86 mile the year i did it um i don't remember what the distance was that year and it rained all day though um yeah, the, I've, I've, I've done a lot of those Virginia Dirt Series rides, which are usually just all-day outdoor rides. You know? mm-hmm. Like Terrapin Mountain Ride, uh, that's like 50-some miles of mountain biking. Um, the Gamut Ride out at uh, Carver's Cove, where you ride every trail in the in the Cove in one day. Um, I think that year it was like 57, 58 miles of trails that, that year. I'm sure there's a lot more than that now. It's probably 70 or yeah, you know, 70 miles now, you know. Yeah. So I like them all day outside rides. <laughs> they all day in, in the woods rides, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys are from Tazewell County. You d- you done this stuff your whole life? No, I mean, Tazewell, it wasn't really, I don't know, I said it wasn't really a big thing in Tazewell. Uh, but uh, I always like getting out. I mean, we had our, we had our huffies and, Pushed them up the mountains and rode them down, you know, and stuff like that. Me and my brother used to do that all the time. The neighborhood kids. I say neighborhood, but the holler kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, you know, we, we, we did that as kids. Uh, and, you know, it's mostly love being outside. The business used to be outside. It's a hunt profession. We've done that a lot, too. And camping. A lot of camping. Deal. But you didn't start riding, riding until? No, I didn't start really riding, riding until... Uh, I guess my young, my oldest daughter was born. I bought a cheap bike and a little baby Carrie and rode her around because Carrie had to be to work. We lived in Craig County at the time. We both worked in Salem. And uh, she had to be working like 7 o'clock in the morning. And we, me and uh, Anna would drop her off. We'd go ride around Salem until 10 o'clock when I opened up the shop. And, uh, you know, we'd ride around until then on the back of the little bike. Then we kind of got kind of got out of that. Um, I guess I started biking again a lot. What thirty four, thirty five years old? Mm-hmm. About ten years. Yes, yeah, so probably like twelve years later. You know. How old are you now? I'm forty three. Now, yeah. So I've been biking for I guess pretty serious about eight years. Yeah, gotcha. Tazewell is a pretty rural place. I don't think I've ever been there my whole life. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it's a pretty place. Yeah, it is. You know, you go there a lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there ain't, there ain't much going on with that there. It's just, they got some tourism going on now. Uh, of course, the mountains are gorgeous down there. Um, there's plenty of outdoors down there. Uh, they got a couple little little campgrounds around some lakes down there. Uh, the biggest tourism right now, I guess, is the Crooked Roads, like the back of the Dragon Route 16 and all that stuff. So this brings some tourism in. What about the music? Do they have the same level of music down there as they have here, or is it better? Um, There's really no music in that area. It, it's weird. Like, we, we grew up, there wasn't no, like... Ralph Stanley would come to town every now and then. Yeah, we had Ralph Stanley down there. He'd come to the fair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill Monroe, mm-hmm. when, he, when he was alive. But, uh, I don't know, it's a... Uh, a lot of bluegrass down there, maybe. Sure. Yeah. It's cold, cold country, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever had a, um, 
bluegrass guy on here in the last show. But the, but the Crooked Road doesn't, uh, I, I don't know, it just seems like such a great idea. But then again, it's, I don't know if bluegrass is, you know, comes and goes. It's hard to know. But, um, and we, we love it here when it, you know, when it, when it's on the good side. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, it does. It, like when we were younger, you never heard live music unless you went to a church. Like, it was either church or what? And now they've started Wind like a little thing, like what we have, like First Fridays and stuff like that. But all the bands come from this area to Tassel to play. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we moved away from here 20... Two years ago. Years. We're terrible at dates. Ago. Yeah, so. 22 years ago. Yeah. We, we moved away in 99. Yeah, so gotcha. That's 22 years. It, Ed was telling me about some things and... Uh, and I think in one of your messages, you were talking about concussion and things like that. Apparently, you've been in a lot of bike crashes. Yeah. Or, or some. Yeah, a few. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hate talking about bike crashes. Uh-huh. But since we're here, <laughs> let oh, me, we kind of want to know about it. Ed was in, well, <laughs> HIPAA might keep me from talking about it. But a guy I know that's in the room was in a crash with me and uh, pretty much I think I almost lost my life over it because I felt uh, so um, angst over it. Yeah, I had a lot of angst in, in seeing it happen. So uh, you tell yours. Oh, I got you. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the crashing all that bad, I man. Hit a tree, knocked myself out for a while. Uh, and uh, but what was funny though is I got, got the concussion and I got kind of bored, so I went down to Duncan Imports and bought a fire truck. And she let me do it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> well, he's like playing off this concussion like it was nothing. Like, he calls me, has no idea where he is. He's like, just check my location, you'll find me. I'm like, oh, my God. So I called a friend that worked in the area. He was a Roanoke County cop, and I'm like, where the hell is he? He's like, well, I'm on my way. I'm near there. I'll go. So Were you he, No, he was off of Mill Mountain. Yeah, it's on Mill Mountain. All right. Yeah. So I get to him and he's just like laying there, like all like out of it. I get him to the ER because he's like, I need to go get checked out. And they're like, So you know, what's your pain level or what happened? He's like, Oh, I'm okay. And I'm like, Well, why the hell are you are we here if you're okay? He's like, I'm really not okay. But so we stayed there for what twenty four hours, just about. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I really didn't know where I was at. I told her as uh, you told me I was telling you I was somewhere. Totally different. Yeah, I can't remember where he was saying. I really didn't know where I was at. So this is this a mountain bike crash on Mill Mountain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just hit with the dog. I couldn't hit a tree. You know, I I broke the helmet, broke my helmet, broke my bike, um, split my head open in the back. Uh, But uh, but he was okay. I was okay. (laughs) Sounds like he was. I found the truck. (laughs) (laughs) He was fine. I found my truck, but I didn't feel like driving. You know, it's like when you get all you know. Buzzed up after drinking or something, you just know you shouldn't drive. Well, after hitting a tree that hard, I guess I just knew I shouldn't drive. <laughs> Do you even know what happened like before that? They called really. All right, split these two things out. We've got buying a fire truck and the crash. Yeah. Did you? When did the fire truck come into it? I, I guess I was just kind of bored and still concussed pretty bad. This was like a day or two later? It was about a week, yeah. a week later. Yeah. All, right, all right, let's go back to the crash because I want to get into that yeah. fire truck in a separate. All right. Because yeah. I've seen that fire truck. I think it deserves its own chapter. <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. So, so you got a concussion from this crash, and then that carried into the future, which you used for excuses. Yeah, well, the, I went to the ER because she made me go to the ER. I just want to go home. 
And uh, they kept on acting weird all night then, like from what I remember. And uh, they thought my neck was broke. What comes out, my neck's been broke all my life. <laughs> it's, not, it's like they, they were getting ready to do some kind of emergency surgery, and it's, it, it, it was just, uh, they kept on asking me, like, do you have pain here? Do you have pain here? So there's no pain at all. So I'm just, you know, kind of rattled up, that's all. And, uh, and uh, like, one of my vertebrae was split, I guess, at birth or whatever, and they've just been like that ever since. But, uh, like, they, were, they, were getting, they had me in neck brace and all this stuff, wouldn't let me drink nothing, nothing like that. And, there I was dehydrated from riding, and I was hungry too. Because a lot of times I leave work and just go ride. This in January, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and just go ride for a couple hours and come home and eat about eight or nine o'clock at night. So I was like hungry and mad, and they wouldn't let me do anything. You were hangry. He yeah, was very hangry. Yeah, but they uh, they said, "Oh yes, yeah. uh, my actually one of the doctors is a customer of mine. He came in. He said, we think he's just uh, you know." Birth defect. Uh, 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 yeah, something you've had all your life, so we're not really worried about it now. And they finally released me. Where did we go to eat that in the morning? It was good. Though. Chip and Jacks. Yeah, Chip and Jacks. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it wasn't that morning, it was that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the next day. But, but yeah, I got a. a, a the silent man's over there. <laughs> Invisible man. That was Eddie Man. He didn't want anybody to say his name. <laughs> Was the ride in the dark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because right. in wintertime, if you ain't going, if you're going to ride, you're going to ride in the dark, right? Yeah, just like running. <laughs> so he had the dog with him. So when a friend of ours got there, he's like, "Your dog's going to end up eating me up because he's protecting him because yeah. he knew something was wrong with him." And he's like, "I mean, it was a very stressful few minutes, but we got it yeah, figured out." Yeah. yeah soon, 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 my buddies got there. Uh, the cop buddies and I. They said, oh, you got to go to the hospital. I said, I don't want to go to the hospital. He said, well, we're going to call you an ambulance. We're going to take the hospital. One, one or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess he, he was out of it. But, uh, yeah, about a week later, though, back to the fire truck. I don't know why. I just got bored. I couldn't ride. I couldn't run. They told me to lay, lay off all the exercise for a while. So uh went down there and bought a fire truck. And uh, in my concussed mind, I had a vision of what it should look like. And I finally made it happen. <laughs> After about a year or so. so. He had looked at the fire truck like a few weeks before, and I was like, no, that thing looks like a clown car. We're not going you, you got to be way more descriptive than this, because I have no idea what you mean when you go out and buy a fire truck. Well, I was looking for a cheap four-wheel drive. Uh, somehow I went down the rabbit hole looking on the internet. I know I want to spend you know, a couple thousand dollars. And uh, for a couple thousand dollars, you know, a cheap four-wheel drive is going to have half a million miles on it. You can buy a fire truck with a couple thousand miles on it. Like, <laughs> I think this thing had 23, 2,400 miles on it when I bought it. It was like practically brand new from 1991. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a fire truck. So you got to do a lot of work to it to make it kind of useful. You know? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to take the fire truck bed off and all of the pump and all that stuff out of it. We always have to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I told her that, so I might sell it and do another project. She's well, you're just bored. <laughs> okay, I'm. I, I need a better description. So, what? What I've seen on your Facebook page, it looks like. Is that the one? That looks kind of like a pickup truck in a way. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a Jeep Cherokee with the ass end cut off and the bed on it. Right. Yeah, it's it's a Nissan Safari, but um, 
the 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 wagon version is called the Nissan Patrol, which is really popular in uh, Australia and South Africa, and, um, South America too. But uh, in the states, they're called Nissan Armada. It's kind of like Nissan's answer to a Land Cruiser, mm-hmm. like an old Series eighty, Series seventy Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. That was their answer to the Land Cruiser. So that's a little bitty fire truck. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Yeah. It's about the size of a Toyota Tacoma. Okay. Like yeah, Tacoma or Land Cruiser or something like Man, that. Man, I was so hoping you were going to drive that thing over here. When you pulled in, <laughs> you are in that nice new car. I was, well, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe we'll get to that. I should have drove it, but it's, uh, it's low on gas. Do you put out many fires in it? or No, nah, not, not much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to give it up. Was that your best uh, bike accident? Mm-mm. I broke a collarbone. So, I mean, I, I ain't had no real bad accident. Carrie knows. I'm lucky. I can tell by her voice she knows. Mm-hmm. It was one of the cheaper biking accidents. The worst one was a collarbone. I guess it was yeah, probably most of it. Yeah. It lasted a while. It, it, could, it takes a while to recover. These all mountain bike? Yeah, mountain bike again. Yeah. 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 And, uh, oh, that's the first time I broke a bone since I was a kid. But, uh, been pretty lucky. But, uh, it's just usually the stupidest trails that you're going to break, you know, just paying attention or not paying attention and you fall and break your collarbone <laughs> or break your leg, whatever, you know. Yeah. For those who don't mountain bike, is this typically done like going downhill and hitting the, you know, the wrong rock or stump or what? Yeah, I think I, I, I don't even know what I hit. I hit something and it threw me over into a rock and it just, as soon as, soon as, I, as, soon as I hit, I just knew it was broke. You can feel it. But see, now i got plates and screws Screws. and all that good stuff yeah yeah but uh could have bought a couple fire trucks for that surgery Mm -hmm. oh i guarantee you (laughs) that's a pretty expensive crash yeah yeah. (laughs) this one probably wasn't as serious but you landed on a hood of a car one time yeah i got hit by a car one time too uh, you, you skip right by this stuff. Like, like, I just got hit by a car, uh, but I was okay. Right yeah, I mean, you know, you, you make it sound so nonchalant. Yeah. Can it, you, it wasn't that bad, really. I was just hitting the, <laughs> the lunch on my bike, and lady hit me head on. He sent me a picture and said I dented the hood of a Honda was, Civic or something yeah, today, yeah. and I'm like, wow. He's like, oh, it hit me. I'm like. So what happened? He said, "Oh, she just rolled into me, and I rolled, you know, onto her hood and got right up and well, took was, off." And I'm like, "Yeah, I was really lucky what? when when she hit me. Like I was able to hold on to her hood with my. <laughs> I grabbed a hold of her. Make sure wipe was on her hood, you know, so I didn't roll off the car and <laughs> hit the pavement. So it was just like laying back on the something. <laughs> it wasn't bad at all, but her hood was like, it was like laying, laying down. down <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, just it was, everybody does it. It was one of the softest lands they ever had. Like in Honda Hoods are pretty pretty sweet. You could probably sleep on one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I mean it was uh I, I say I got hit by a car, but it wasn't a bad hit at all. <laughs> I've had much worse crashes in the woods. <laughs> yeah. where, where'd I go now? I, mean, I, go? <laughs> I guess we're done. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Uh, yeah, there was a guy hit across the hill hill the other night uh, from here on the same roads I ride, and he got broken ribs and wrists and stuff like that. But I don't know who it was. Never did hear. I've been so fortunate. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's, it seems like a big deal to get hit when you're on a bike, but then again, when there's 
a crash close by and nobody knows who it was. Right. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. I guess you just, you just sweep them up and, and wipe them off. And like I said, I, I was very fortunate. Really wasn't worth, really worth mentioning. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I have a feeling um, they were also talking about when you went out west and, and your daughter jumped off the Grand Canyon all the way to the bottom and y'all had to go there and get her back <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> It, uh, just another one of those deals. You know, one <laughs> like, it's, like it's just no big deal. So, you, so I was uh, shown pictures of this Airstream that you had, which I also begged you to drive here. Yeah. That thing looks pretty awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a 10 four right there. It's a, it's a 34 foot Airstream RV. What year is it? Uh, 87. 87. And uh, the first time we ever seen one, was out in Yellowstone. We were actually, because I got a 77 Airstream trailer too. Uh, this is back in, what year was that? Probably. 13 or 12 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, we were out in Yellowstone camping in the Airstream trailer and we seen an Airstream motor on. And Carrie, Carrie said, oh, we got to find us one of those. I said, I've never seen one before. It was like the first one ever. And, uh, we get back home from the trip. We was gone a couple of weeks, and uh, she's a realtor. So she was out looking for properties or whatever. She said, uh, "She said I think I found a motorhome for sale, an Airstream motorhome." Went there, checked it out, and sure enough, it was an Airstream motorhome for sale. They only made like ten thousand of these things over a eleven-year period, so they're pretty rare to find. <clears throat> but um, we uh, we bought it off the old the older couple. He retired in 1976 from the Air Force, and they had. Uh, he's done odd jobs ever since. We haven't checked them in a couple of years. I'm sure they're still doing fine. But um, they would drive this thing from uh, from Roanoke to Florida. They had a little piece of land in Florida. They drive down there for the winter, camp in the Airstream, drive it back to Virginia, and uh, they had bought it new. And uh, they were just you know got up there in age, couldn't drive it anymore. So we bought it off them, fixed it up. I don't know. Uh, what did we do to it? We'll put Me- tires and... Mechanically, wasn't much wrong with it. Brakes and tires and uh, fix a few plumbing issues. Um, green new couch in it. Yeah, redone the interior a little bit just to make it more updated, you know. And then I polished it, which is a lot of polishing. <laughs> oh, God. A lot of polish because <laughs> you got to strip the clear coat off and then take a polishing wheel and polish, you know, 70 feet of airstream because you got 34 feet on each side, 34 and a half feet on each side. So that took a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, then we drove it out west uh, about a year later. Well, it's been everywhere. Well, yeah, we drove to the beach a couple times, West Virginia, countless times. We camped a lot up there too. Um, and out to, uh, Utah and uh, Colorado and uh, a few other places. Had a good time with it. We still got it. But I, I, I bet you spend more time talking about it when you get there than you do actually. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? Because everybody wants to know about it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty rare vehicle. That's for sure. And we'll pull into these, re, you know, ATV or the, these RV places and have these ginormous motorhomes and nobody's even looking at them. They're coming over to ask for a tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We get wine, we get free alcohol all the time. So yeah. 
It's a good conversation starter. When I was a kid and I saw those things, I thought, that thing is junk. I don't know who's got that. (laughs) (laughs) And then then after I I grew up, I realized they're, you know, that is like a jewel. It is. And it's timeless. Like, it's just, it's amazing what they thought of in the 80s to put in it. And you can go buy a new camper. It doesn't have those great of a touches and everything they thought through back then. Like, you open the closet and the lights come on. And, you know, in 87, that had to be amazing because it's amazing now, you know. Um, but, like, the ice maker and those types of things that you just don't even see in new campers. Yeah. That thing back in, too, like, this thing, like, all the cabinets are made out of, you know, oak. It's not veneer. It's not <laughs> – it's actually solid. The thing weighs, like, 17,000 pounds, and it's an old, old 454 Chevrolet pulling it. Um, but it's uh, – three-speed, you know, with a carburetor 454 in the front. So it ain't got a ton of power, but it's got a ton of weight. So it ain't like you can go down the road real fast, but it made it to out west and back. We made it across country <laughs> and only blew out a muffler, right? Yeah, I think one muffler split. We had to change it in the park, in the, uh, in the RV park mm-hmm. near Zion, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, Hurricane? Mm-hmm. Hurricane, yeah. But it was pulling a trailer full of ATVs and motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. We did take our ATVs and motorcycles up there, too. We rode around the desert and got lost and had a good time with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we even rode our ATVs in the Grand Canyon. Probably shouldn't say it too that loud. But, uh, <laughs> that sounds like you're breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First time the laws have ever been broken on the show. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we, we had a good time with that thing. Because w- once we parked our RV and we were on movies, we just unloaded the ATVs and rode around and rode to town or whatever. And they never get a ticket. <laughs> but our girls got lost in where? Oh, it was in the sand dunes in Utah. Please yeah. tell me this part. This is the part I want to oh, hear. Yeah. You got them back, is though. Is this the Moab area? or Well, it's like southern Utah, like right on the, right on the, uh, I remember it was New Mexico or Arizona. It was right in the corner of both. Yeah. The pink, pink coral sand dunes state parks where we was at. But we was riding through the sand dunes, and uh, this is on Father's Day. And uh, we're just having a good old time riding, you know. And uh, I look back, and I don't see the kids anymore. It's like a maze of sand dunes. And uh, so we uh, we stop and can't really hear nothing. I was like, I think they made the wrong turn or something. I don't know. Because there's no really definite trails out there. I don't know, what, what, probably about an hour. It seemed like seemed like it seemed like three days. It seemed like five days, yeah. <laughs> but we, we couldn't find them. And I, I finally climbed up the high, the tallest sand dune there and just started yelling for them, yelling for them. And uh, then I see those little orange flags. We had orange flags and ATVs. Bouncing through the sand dunes coming back towards us. And here our kids came, you know, came back. and uh, They had no idea they were lost. I think. Yeah. And my daughters were, <clears throat> how old were they at this time? And I was... Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, so Maddie, she didn't have her twelve. license yet. And Maddie was twelve, yeah. Eleven. Or what? yeah, eleven, yeah. And uh so when we get back and you know, we're like they said, Well, so we we knew just to shut the shut the machine off and listen because you'd probably be yelling in a few minutes. And uh they said that when they heard us yelling at them and uh just kind of followed the noise back. They said they'd come back and Cut the machine off again because you can't see nothing. Every dune's like 10, 20 feet tall. You got to ride in between them. And, uh, but they made it back to us. And, uh, I told, uh, 
this is on Father's Day. I just thought I'd been lost my kids because you see all these videos. I mean, these kids, the people like dying in the desert with dehydration and stuff like this. And uh, but they they made it back to us. And um, the next day, we stopped at the first sport and get a store we found and bought the best radios we could find. So we we wouldn't lose them anymore. <laughs> I was like, I walked in there and said, I need two radios. And he said, what can I do for us? The one's the longest range. I don't care what it is. But they were out having a ball. Like they had yeah, a tree. Blast, yeah. They came in half the south by side. And whenever they find us, like, they're like looking. And they're like, we're going to be in so much trouble. And, you know. Because they dented the ATV. Yeah, and they're like, but look what we did to the side by side. We're like, we don't give a shit about like, this. Side. <laughs> They had the dogs. Their gaslight was like on, like blinking. Like they had the dogs and the gaslight, and they had like this much water in there. I mean, but they come back just happy as anything, you know. Yeah, they think there's nothing wrong. But I was petrified. <laughs> it was like I could be out there just fine. I know I'm gonna get back, but you know, once your kids out there lost in the desert, I think we had a drone in the RV. Like, I even mm-hmm. thought about going back to RV, getting a drone, and flying over the desert, so just like find them somewhere, you know. <laughs> well, he looked at me, and he's like, 10 minutes, and then you're going to the little guard shack or whatever to get help or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they made it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. It's kind of hard to imagine being in, in that position. I mean, I can imagine how it would feel, but you don't really know how strong you'd feel unless you're in that spot. Yeah, yeah. Especially when it's, you know, you two girls out there. And it's like 100 degrees. You can't even step it's, in the sand without it burning you. Yeah, you know, southern Utah in summertime, it's, well, it's June, mid-June. It's still like 100 degrees on a cold day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it was blazing hot. I think a hurricane that day is 118 or 119. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, no, they, they, my kids are tough. Uh, they, they, uh. Raise two girls, I guess, the right way. <laughs> but, uh, but they're 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 pretty tough. They they, they get by. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. So I was also hearing that story about the uh, was was it the airstream getting ready to be blown off the side of the Grand Canyon? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we found some campus spots on the rim, north rim of the Grand Canyon. Really pretty campus. Like it's out in the National Forest, so it's not like it's not a campground. It's just. You know, like pull off spots, and uh, we parked the airstream there for a couple, two or three days, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the whole time, like you know, you got the airstream set here, and you literally walk out the door, ten feet, there's the rim of the Grand Canyon. And the uh, first night we was laying there, I just had this nightmare of this thing rolling off the the Grand Canyon. So I get up at two o'clock in the morning and pile a bunch of rocks up in front of it. I knew. It, it wasn't going to go anywhere. I even had the wheels turned the opposite way from the rim, of course. But still, yet I just like had this like nightmare of falling off the <laughs> falling off the rim. So she's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to go pile up rocks around the, around the wheels just so we don't roll off." So we got there like right before <laughs> sunset. Yeah. And the next morning, we're sitting there eating breakfast, and our oldest was like, um, "Is that hole the Grand Canyon?" And we're like, "What in the world are you talking about?" Because we were so up high that it, you know, we kept saying that's the Grand Canyon. She couldn't realize that like, we were in the Grand Canyon. Kind of, kind of looks like you live in a mountain range because we was at 9,000, almost 10,000 feet right mm-hmm. at the north rim. So you're kind of looking down. The south rim's lower, I guess. But uh, yeah, she thought it was a mountain range the whole time we was there. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, so that's the Grand Canyon. I said, 
Yeah. We've <laughs> <laughs> been staring at it for two days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to recognize if you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is, <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> yeah. Can we pause it? Yeah, let's take five. You need to take five? Hang tight. You right back. for the best but we need inventory so if you want to sell sell now <laughs> but that's about I mean I've only been at this since 2013 14 I really can't remember but as far as the market goes like the inventory is the lowest that we've ever seen it but the demand is the highest we've ever seen it you know so I had a friend that sold her house Sunday and like we have nowhere for her to go like um you just pray for the best but where she's going to end up in my basement i don't know <laughs> it's it's just the market and it's not even like even first time home buyers right now it's just the entire market is absolutely spinning out of control um but it's a great thing for Roanoke's economy it's doing well but if you if you don't have places for them to live, like I've had so many clients this year from Carillion move into the area and a lot of them want the Raleigh Court and the Grandin and, you know, near the hospital. And that has pushed the market up to where these houses are selling for way more than you would ever expected it to, you know? So it's not always going to be as good as what it is right now, but we're just hoping for the best. We, we've been through this one time, but, yeah, but I wasn't. But in you it. were not in the business at that point. I was actually buying a house at that point. What, how, how do you feel about the future as far as is when is this? How long is the bubble going to go? And I mean, I, I I think the last time it happened, it wasn't necessarily the same thing as what it is now because the last time it happened was for different reasons. Mm -hmm. This time is because so many people from out of town are moving in. Mm -hmm. Is, is that what it is or am I wrong? It is. Like, we've, we're having a lot of, like, people re relocate to the area and, and even into Virginia from northern states, like states that have been, you know, when you can, you're buying a million-dollar home that's like a two-bedroom brick ramp somewhere. And then the value here is so much cheaper. And I think what's really helped the market in our area is a lot of people can work from home now where they couldn't. Two years ago, a lot of these companies don't care where you live as long as you're doing your work. So, you know, if their spouse gets a job at a hospital or that, you know, they can relocate. It's, but the value of the homes here for normal people that live here and you're averaging a $250,000 house, that's pretty average for the area. But you have someone coming in from up north that just sold a million dollar home that's got a $250,000 profit. These people can't compete on cash offers versus loan offers, you know. So they're waiving inspections and waiving appraisals and they're waiving everything. And it's just becoming uh, more intense. Back when the market busted before, it was like they were, in, you know, well, they blame it on appraisals and banks and real estate agents and, you know, made the market inflated. Now it's the buyers are inflating the market. You know? They're offering whatever they can to get into these homes, but we're just hoping that it steadies out soon. And, you know, but money's cheap when money's cheap to borrow. That's where it's at, you know? Sure. 
Yeah, and I, I kind of want a realtor point of view because I've heard so many different aspects of what's going on and what's making it happen because I've got so many realtor friends that, you know, they tell their side of it, but they're all a little bit different. But mm-hmm. I think in the Roanoke area, I mean, definitely. Well, I work in Martinsville, and in Martinsville, everybody who buys a house right now, you know, primarily are from the north. They're coming down here to buy, you know, a house and, and live there, which is, I don't know, it just seems so unusual. Mm-hmm. Which I would sell my house, but how do you know where you're going to go if you sell it? Where, where are you going to live? Well, we keep saying that. We're like, if we had land, we would just move the Airstream out and just live off the land for a couple of years until the price of lumber, like that's even the thing right now. You can't even do updates to your house, you know, wood, window, anything to do with anything with a home. It's just crazy, you know, and the price to build a home or to get the lumber, it's it's absolutely insane. I would sell my house and live at the Jefferson Motor Lodge, but they tore it down. You can't live mm-hmm. there. You don't remember it. You weren't here when the Jefferson <laughs> Motor Lodge was around. But, nope. but it would definitely save you, but I'm sure it would be full as well. Everybody would yeah. everybody be living there that, that didn't have a house. Well, so we had always joked. Too, yeah, rental property is even crazy, but we had always joked that our youngest is 16, so we're like, when she turns 16 or 17, can drive herself to school. It doesn't matter. Like, we can leave Salem and, like, live. He loves, like, the Buchanan area and that kind of stuff. So we're like, we can live anywhere. But now I'm like, we, we could sell our house in two minutes and live in the Airstream, but we'd have to park it at Eddie's house. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should get somebody to list it. <laughs> I should. Yeah, you should. Call around. I mean, somebody, somebody probably do it. People are moving to national forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every 21 days. <laughs> but we already have a string of toys, and I don't know where you would put all yeah, that. That's true. Yeah, it's hard to step, store bikes and airstreams. It's hard to store bikes and airstreams and kayaks and boats and vehicles and whatever else you, you've got. You both are in cool careers. And when we transfer over and talk about your career, um, I don't know many people who actually own a gun shop, oh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of on board with. Uh, Having a conversation about that, we'll have a non-political gun shop conversation. Yeah. But, but to to know, you know, kind of where we stand um, as far as like gun sales and things like that, um, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Tell us about what you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I got uh, uh, Trader Jerry's in Salem. Uh, it's a family business. My brother and my dad run the shop down in Cedar Bluff or Claypole Hill, Virginia. Um, and I run the shop up here in Salem, Virginia, but, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's a cool industry. <laughs> it's interesting. It, uh, it's, it's always politically driven, of course, but, uh, last, uh, year has just been crazy. There's no inventory right now. It's kind of like houses. Um, uh, uh, everybody's been buying guns and, uh, ammo. There's big shortage of ammo, big shortage of guns, but we do what we can, you know? But this is the first year of so many first-time home buyers, I mean, gun buyers as well. When the riots started breaking out, we had so many new customers coming in to defend themselves that would always say, I never thought I would own a gun. Yeah, I got like 80-year-olds coming in saying they never thought they needed a gun until now. It's kind of, I don't know, 
it's kind of scary actually <laughs> but because uh, they've seen a lot more than we have i'm sure <laughs> or double double what i have at least but uh i don't know it's it, it it's a it's a good industry to you know it, it's been good to us it's it's a it's pretty fun to be in yeah, a lot of good people meet a lot of interesting people so, so you guys have the gun, it started in Tazewell, and then you brought it here to Salem? Yeah, originally my, my dad had a hardware store, and uh, he sold guns out of the hardware store, and then it just went to a gun store. And uh, when, uh, I don't know, it was 2001, I think, 2002, I got laid off from Yokohama, and uh, I worked here for a couple of years, about three or four years. And, um, you know, my dad said, hey, let's just try a gun shop up there. And we started, sales has been really good until we started making money immediately, pretty much. Anytime a business starts making money the first year, it's going to, you know, it'll, it'll float pretty well. But um, uh, Salem has been good, really good for us for, for gun sales, for sure. Yeah. So, so what are you seeing mostly? Are, are, are most folks coming in buying handguns or are you having... A lot of handguns. Like AR-15s. I, I mean, I, I kind of understand the demand, and I kind of understand the mindset of most people who are going to go in and, and purchase a gun. But, and uh, you know, under the right circumstances with, you know, making certain that the person is uh, qualified to do so and has been through the training to know how to operate it, you know, it, it actually never do anything. So, I'm I, you know, I'm kind of on board with, you know, with hearing about how folks are going, are, are, are they buying mostly handguns or what, like, what's the deal? Yeah. Especially new time, you know, new gun buyers buy handguns, they buy shotguns. And that's, that's the biggest shortage right now is handguns and shotguns. Um, and ammo wise too, is the biggest shortage. Uh, you know, you would think like a gun shop that the hunting industry would drive the sales, but it's really not the hunting industry. It's more of the uh, sport, the sporting, the sports shooter industry. Because you got like three gun matches, IDPA matches, that uh, that drive this industry pretty strong. With uh, that's where your ARs are. That's really fast guns, and they're shooting targets, and you know, this banging the steel targets. If you look up on YouTube, that that's what drives a lot of this industry. Um, unfortunately, with the ammo shortage last year, that the sports shooting's kind of calmed down because no one can find ammo. Or even reloading supplies. Or even reloading supplies, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that's that's kind of screeched a halt right now. But um, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of new time, new new gun buyers, for sure. A lot of females. A lot of females. So we, we also teach a concealed carry class every first Wednesday of the month. Um, and it's normally, right now, we're, we've got at least 85 90% are females taking the concealed carry course to learn... Or and to be able to protect themselves. Right, right. Yeah, it's a. Uh, and then uh, I don't know. Get a little bit political. Then you got run up banning guns in public places, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. But uh, um, yeah, you got a lot, a lot of females getting their concealed carry permits, which is a good thing. Yeah, you got to take care of yourself. That's for sure. Yeah, and and, and I was going to touch on that. The Roanoke banning uh, guns in public places, like uh, like what, what does that mean? Um, well, they, they pass an ordinance where you can't have firearms on public parks or public, uh, well, they said city owned land, which would be like greenways and parks and, 
public buildings. Yeah, yeah Burglar Center, places like that. Um, you know, what, one of my biggest questions in the gun shop, because I know some bikers and I know some runners, of course, and, uh, you know, how do you run with a gun or how do you, you know, how can you roll with a gun or bike with a gun or whatever? Um, and now Roanoke has, like, banned that completely up in the Greenway, um, which has kind of kind of turned a lot of people off of it, but you know, pretty pretty rough decision, I think. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know where the one with that, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in theory, I think it makes sense, but the only problem is that the folks who are not law-abiding folks are right. – are, are not going to abide by yeah. that and to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to break up, whatever. But, yeah. um, yeah, only, only the criminals are going to carry the guns, not the law of bad citizens, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you can convince them otherwise. Right. Right. Uh, that's it, really it's, no thing I, I call about. it feel good legislation. <laughs> it makes people feel good to pass those type of laws, but it really don't make any sense at all. Like, it, and it, it would make sense if we lived in a perfect world where you didn't have to worry about being out on the greenways and stuff like that and not be threatened. But there's so many females that feel within the last year they have been targeted, especially on the greenways, and now they don't have a way to protect themselves from, yeah, legally, yeah. you know, something like that. So. Yeah, and, and, and we'll keep it simple, but, I mean, you guys teach, you know, concealed carry classes on how to know how to do that. And um, I, I think that carries a lot of value for the people who really care about owning a firearm and being able to, to carry it out. Um, the things that you teach those folks in those classes, uh, it's pretty much never okay to use it, except for, like, a, a minuscule amount of situations. Yeah, absolute last resort. You know. and, and and even if you're right in using it, it's not going to be good for you for the long term. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's an absolute life or death situation. That's when you would have to do that. And uh, I don't know. See, it's like Roanoke has taken that right away from you to do, you know, to to protect yourself with a firearm. So, yeah, I, I, I know it's a tough situation, but I know that everybody else or uh, you know, the folks who are buying guns are kind of big on it, but. Um, it's it's a little bit sensitive. I I get it. However, um, folks who will seek out a person like you and get the education during the process, and yeah, I know you say a lot of females are, are the ones who are protecting themselves. You know, it's not a not necessarily uh, a bad idea to do that as long as you're educated. And we kind of look for an educated person in the realm of the gun business to tell us how to. To do that, I was kind of looking for you to give me some insight on, you know, I think people are so scared of guns that if you don't understand how to operate one, uh, it is a little bit scary. There's no question. Like, I, I've never had one my whole life, you know, until recent years. And it's it's kind of scary to look at it and think, well, that thing's going to go off. But it really is not. Yeah, yeah. It only does what you do with it. Is it? Well, right. And if you've not been around them or if you don't have experience, they're very intimidating. I grew up in a family that, you know, hunted, but we never really shot. So when he opened up, was going to open up, I had to educate myself a lot on them and how they operate, especially raising two kids in a house in a store. I mean, our girls were raised in the store with us for years on how to know the safeties and what, you know, you can and can't do. This was his, I mean, he's done this all his life. So it just came 
natural to him, you know, like he didn't, he doesn't think anything different besides having, you know, access to guns all through the years. But that was important for us to get the concealed weapon permits and become instructors. So you could, I guess, show people that like, I mean, they're, they're safe and yeah. I mean, Virginia's an open carry state also. And, uh, we teach the classes to qualify to get your concealed carry permits. We can, have, you know, actually hide it on your on your person and carry it. Um, that, that's a separate permit. But any anybody that buys a gun can open carry a gun legally in Virginia. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. Like the open carry, does it immediately make you the bad person that you look like? No, it makes you a target for sure. Gosh, <laughs> man! Yeah. You know when I see that guy in Walmart with his with his yeah. gun hanging on his side, like right, right. I, I, I've never <laughs> open carry, I never will open carry. I, we don't open carry in my shop. We all conceal carry, because um, it's it's not the most effective way to carry a firearm. You got to hide it, and uh, to where somebody can't sneak up behind you and grab it. That not supposed to. It's not supposed to you know have access to it. Um, and if you're going to carry one, you need to be comfortable and educated, and know how to operate them and that's why like a lot of women especially like they'll say well my husband or my friend or someone said come in here and get this gun and I'm like you do not need that right. <laughs> you you gotta know you've got to feel comfortable you know and a lot of these pistols have harder slides and all that so if you're going to carry one you need to be able to shoot one and like shoot it often and be comfortable that if you had to use it that they're not going to take it from you and use it back on you. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have that confidence, you know? So it's so important to be educated. And if you're going to carry it to know exactly how to operate it, like there's so many stories out there where people have came in self-defense modes and pulled them out and they have taken the gun from them and used it, you know? So you got to, it's a very different area, I guess. The, Need to touch on you. Yeah. Sure. And a, a lot of the situations that you get in where you think it's okay to use it, it's definitely not. Mm-mm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I've been through those, you know, educational classes and it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a lot different. If you are knowledgeable about the process, you'll never use it. It's mm-hmm. the whole fight or flight. You should always fight. Mm-hmm. You should never fight. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, and the majority of air. The majority of your top customers and that type of thing, like you would never know they even had firearms or never know that they've been experienced and trained as well as they have. Because, you know, they're big people in the community, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's it's really funny when you see, like, the dude at Walmart with his gun on his hip. He probably shot, isn't it? Probably never even shot the gun. Do you ever walk up and say, hey, hi that buddy. Oh, we don't really have them come in, and I don't shop at Walmart, so <laughs> I, I try to stay away from those types of people that look like, you know. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, keep it hidden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, playing poker, never show you cards. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. That, that, that guy's always a troublemaker, even if he doesn't know he's trying to be one. I mean, definitely is. But right. Do you, um, uh, I forgot the question I was going to ask. Right. You guys talk until I feel that uncomfortable spot. <laughs> <laughs> talk about fire trucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, do you, do you shoot fire trucks with your concealed carry? We don't shoot at the fire truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a crazy place to be. But I, I mean, even in the last couple of years, I've had folks who, you know, they they don't necessarily they're they're not on board based on their beliefs that they should have a gun, but yet they approach me and say, you know, I, I know you have a concealed carry. Um, I'm going to buy a gun. Can you help me to, to go through the process and do so? And yes, I'll, you know, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it makes sense. I think, I think around a time that, you know, a lot of folks who never considered it their whole life, it's not about, you know, right or left. It's more about, uh, being sensible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those folks are becoming sensible. Like, well, you know, I have a family, I have a wife and kids and things like that. And, and, um, it, it kind of makes sense t- to make sure they're protected, but right. it, it's a, it, 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 it's a tough topic. I get it. But mm-hmm. even if you confiscated all the guns today, you're not going to confiscate all the guns. No. You're never going to get the guns because a lot, you know, that's the thing with the state of Virginia too. A lot of people think like when you do a background check that you're registering a firearm and you're not, you know, so the only thing that they know that you're getting is a shotgun, pistol, revolver, or a rifle. They don't know what you're buying. So, like, they're like, oh, I bought an AR off the papers. I'm like, I don't know what that means, you know. <laughs> or, like, people will say, I went to a gun show and I bought a gun and it's not registered. You, you do paper. Like, now, especially in the state of Virginia, you have to do a background check on every firearm. Even if you were to buy one from Ed, you have to do a background check now. You have to go oh, to a I'll gun check shop. him. Yeah, you have to go to a gun shop. You both, you know, have to get registered or you you do a background check. You don't get ever register a firearm. So a lot of people are uneducated with the process. And I really don't know where that comes in. Like, because a lot of political people don't even know the truth and the real process behind it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that you like the media wants you to believe it's not even true, you know? Yeah, 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 certainly certainly with background checks. I mean, I feel like um, they make a big deal about background checks not being like you just walk in and just buy it, but that's not the case. Right. Um, I mean, most people get delayed for a long time. They get delayed for you know 30 minutes or, or two days before they can actually be approved for getting one. And some people get approved in, in 10 seconds, but yeah. I mean, you never know. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, they, they get a, a feeling that you can just go in and just get it, but that's not the case. Right. Right. And a concealed carry permit takes about 45 days because the detective actually has to do a more extensive background check on you to get that, you know, so. And there's things that will prevent you from getting a concealed weapon permit that will not prevent you from buying a firearm. Right. You know, so there's more extensive backgrounds there. Sure. And, and and you guys could sell how many guns per year if uh, if if you could get the inventory. Yeah, we, we sell we sell a pretty good bit of our we sell we sell our share anyways. Yeah, and and you're in Salem about that, right? We're in Salem. Yeah, we've been there. Trader Jerry's. Yeah, yeah. we've been there about uh, what twenty about twenty nineteen years. Mm-hmm. Oh two. Yeah. Uh, that's a long time. I, I I heard your name. I've never been in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm coming over for sure. Yeah, yeah, me and Ed and Eddie Man, all of us are we're all headed over there. We got a lot of guns and a little bit of ammo. <laughs> Not a whole lot of ammo. Yeah, we yeah. trade ammo for lumber. Right now. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Anyway, let's head this thing towards the finish. What uh, you guys get around town much? You got a favorite brewery you like? You don't. You, so you can't. He, you're allergic. Yeah, he yeah, he isn't a beer guy. Like Damn. I mean, he drinks. I drink light beer, like Budweiser. Uh, I drink a heavy stuff. I get all like eye swelling and splotchy and red spots on my skin and I got the Benadryl. Mm-hmm. My brother's got a funny name for what happens to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you think we're not going to ask what that name is? Yeah. You, you don't want to. <sighs> Eddie, Eddie can pop in and do Eddie it. Man, Eddie man. <laughs> <laughs> he does a great person. That <laughs> but he mainly likes bourbon. Yeah, I like I like bourbon. She likes collecting bourbon, buying bourbon. I like drinking bourbon, but she drinks bourbon too. She got a very impressive bourbon room. There right now, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy going there. You have a bourbon room? room? Yeah. Well, it used to be the kids' playground. Oh, right. They're all. Why not? I don't think I know anybody has a bourbon room. Oh, yeah. show you a picture. It's beautiful. Yeah, used to be the kids' playroom. That's our playroom. So how's this happen? It. It just happened. I thought you said that stuff makes you crazy. Just fireball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fireball and vodka makes you crazy. I can sip on bourbon. Yeah, if you see me out drinking a beer, that's usually a bush light or Bud Light or something like that. It ain't, it ain't nothing happening. Not really. So you, you can't do like, like don't mention any, any of the breweries if that's the case. Yeah. Eddie's going to be a brewery. Yeah, he probably already has it. Hmm. For those who are listening, I'm looking at the picture, and yes, that is a bourbon room. <laughs> that is absolutely. Whoa. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. It's beautiful. It used to be like family photo albums, stuff on them bookshelves, and now it's just all bourbon. That's seventeen thousand dollars worth of bourbon that we're looking at <laughs> right there. What's your address? I can't tell you. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> I would not want Eddie as my friend if I had that room. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> he stood in line with me and we bought it together. All 70,000 bottles? Yeah. It's like Teller over there. Damn. Teller. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's mute right now. I can't it's been fun. You got anything? You, you got anybody you know you want to say anything special to? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just enjoy getting out riding with people. Uh, I've met a lot of good people over the years. Uh, Eddie, I've known for years. He said we was always going to be best friends one of these days. It's just that I didn't know it yet. (laughs) (laughs) I spoke. I said it finally happened. (laughs) Eddie spoke on the podcast. podcast. He'll get his own one day. He acts like he got some sense. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I've I've met a lot of good people in the, in the, uh, Biking and running world. I just recently started running last year, so, so I met a few people through that. Um, and and for, through the running, you know, uh, Doug Falls, he's a he's a beast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there's a lot of good people out there. It's a, it's a good area to be. I don't know, and, uh, it involves in the outdoors, for sure. Yeah, we got a lot of good folks around here who are doing a lot of good outdoor things. So if you're yeah. in the mood to take a run or take a bike, you can definitely find somebody who wants to go with you. For sure. The, the, the running thing, if it's new, you know, reach out 
to me are, are, there's a lot of uh, yeah. opportunity there. I think running, I've, I may have 100 miles down this year, but I, I would, I, I feel better after riding 100 miles than I do after running 10 miles, put it that way. I, I run 10 miles, I'm complaining all day. Mm-hmm. Right, hundred miles. Yeah, but he doesn't run like just like ten miles on the greenway. Runs like uh, McAfee's and then comes home, and you know. We we don't say McAfee's on this show. It's oh, McAfee. Don't. McAfee. <laughs> so if you could drop that S. Mac McAfee. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should edit that part out that you said McAfee's here. <laughs> no, there's no Mister. Like if people act like there's a Mister. There's no Mister McAfee. <laughs> There's no apostrophe like no McAfee owns it. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's true. I it's never thought of it. Like everybody calls it McAfee. It's not. not. I guess that's true. It is true. I've had <laughs> folks from Roanoke outside <laughs> confirm on the podcast that it's not McAfee's. McAfee. McAfee. No, it just don't sound right. It don't. You need to put that S back on. You <laughs> good dragon tooth. You good dragon tooth. I got a dragon's tooth. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you say Appalachian Mountains, we'll be all right, right? You're, you're not an Appalachian. Is there another name? Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. Appalachian. Some people call them the Appala- Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, but McAfee's. I mean, it just won't work here. So McAfee Knob. He runs to McAfee. I do. Yeah, I see Nate Hillifer a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I met him a couple times up there. Uh, yeah, he lives there. He's a great guy. I think he does live there. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I get up there really early in the morning. He's all, he's usually there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I try to take your dogs up there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, that's his spot. We love him. Yeah. So anyway, all right. You got anything? You got anybody you want to say hi to, Carrie? No, I'm good. Eddie Man. She don't know anybody. <laughs> Eddie Man. <laughs> you want to say anything at all? Nothing about the time we met in Florida. Okay. You didn't say too much. (laughs) (laughs) Let's wrap this big deal up. Guys, I'm so thankful you showed up. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you. Thank you, whatever you said your name was. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) This is phenomenal. I'm I'm really... uh, Glad you guys came and your uh, your big ride and everything was phenomenal. I just, uh, if you get anything exciting coming up, you certainly let us know and you're welcome back anytime. Just to give us a a heads up and a big deal that you've done something huge, which you'll probably be quiet about, but Ed will find out and then and then we'll know. So yeah, yeah. if you want to buy a house, <laughs> Carrie has a little bit of time, but not. <laughs> If you want to sell a house, dead she could do that. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Eddie Man. Man. As a tradition, we always say, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.